Amen. So say to your neighbor, cheer up. Okay. <clears throat> and um and and give them that smile. That's the share up smile. The one. Yes, that one. Okay, cool. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Um last week we we dealt with defeat and um and today by the grace of God, in part four of our series, Chair Up, we will be looking at how to overcome discouragement. You see, all these D's, they are all going to crumble in Jesus' name. You know, and um, the truth is that if discouragement is not handled with care, it can lead to defeat. If, if discouragement is not handled with care, it, it can lead to defeat. I'm convinced that the human race is, is divided into two groups of people. Those of us that love Golden Mon and the rest of the world. Praise the name of the Lord. So, how many people love Golden Mon? Let me see your hands. Oh, fantastic. Okay, okay. So, uh, uh, they are more with us. <laughs> so, the, the world, I mean, honestly, I mean, why wouldn't you love Golden Mon? Growing up, you say, oh, it's baby food, pastor, you know. Growing up, I loved baby food, you know. I had three younger ones. <laughs> The gap between myself and the immediate younger one is about four years. So, uh, uh, all the Cerelac, half of it at least was going into my stomach. <laughs> you see, this child is eating, you know, and I still love Cerelac. I'm confessing here. <laughs> okay, okay. How many people still love Cerelac? Let me see your hands up. Okay, I thought. Yes, I was like this. I can't raise it up very well because I'm embarrassed, you know. I still love baby food. I still, you know, I just think it's the best. <laughs> I won't tell you what else I love. Anyway, so, <clears throat> why leave baby food? Why grow up? Why grow out of certain things? You know, sometimes, you know, when we're young, sometimes I just feel, can't we just be children again? Jesus says to us that except we are converted and are like these little ones, we will not in any wise enter the kingdom of God. And I think to myself, why can't we be children again? Who says the fact that we are bigger, we have to stop playing? Who says the fact that we are bigger, we have to stop dreaming? As a child, I used to dream of flying. Not, not witchcraft kind of flying. <laughs> As in flying and a plane. <laughs> 
I used to, I used to, I used to dream of being a pilot one day. Not necessarily as a profession, but I mean flying. But I wanted to be a pilot as a profession. But beyond that, flying a plane. I'll look and wait for the plane to, you know, pass apparently, you know, and and I will watch until it disappears. And I'm just imagining, you know, what it will be like to to fly. Maybe one day I'll still fly a plane. (laughs) Praise the name of the Lord. Now, the point is this. What happened? Who, Who told me that I shouldn't fly a plane? Who told me to stop dreaming of doing the impossible things? Who told me to stop believing? It is the voice of discouragement. The voice of discouragement. I, I, I can never forget how many times I was literally beaten, beaten to stop saying I want to be a pilot. Why? Because pilots don't go to school. President of the Lord. I said, but I want to be a pilot. You can't be a pilot. If I hear you say that again, I will. And we let go. For some of us, it's not that dramatic. For some of us, we, we, we have to things that we imagined that we would be doing by now. When we were much younger, those dreams were wild. I mean, being a pilot is just one of my wild dreams. Flying a plane was one of my wild dreams. And if God allows me, I will say fly a plane before I see Jesus. (laughs) Thank you for saying amen. Believing in my dreams. That means a lot to me. Joking. Now, the point is this. The point is this. In the opening question, what childhood dreams did you have that you look back on today and you have let go of? Who else wants to be as vulnerable as I am? Who else wants to? Yeah, there's a hand there. Who else wants to just put it out there? Maybe we can find some healing here. <laughs> okay, is there another hand right in front? So please put up that hand until you get a mic. Give out the mic. So the first person to get the mic can go, yeah. Good evening, church. Good evening. Just like you, my childhood dream was to fly a plane as well. Oh, wow. Yes. Cool. But it was when reality hit that I let go. I found out that um, I was not very good at maths and the sciences. So, reality corrected my <laughs> dreams. <laughs> your course, <laughs> because of your dad. So, you were discouraged by your academic results. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Okay, praise God. Um, I, growing up, I nursed and I really, really wanted to be a neurosurgeon. And... Okay. Um, I was in the sciences, even in my secondary school. So my dad, who was a lawyer, prevailed on me, wow. you know, and um, to be a lawyer. 
I, I look back. Today, I'm grateful that I'm a lawyer, actually, right. but it was a childhood dream to be a neurosurgeon. All things work together, even the discouragements of your dad. <laughs> I can't even imagine you not being a lawyer. <laughs> How would that look like? <laughs> okay, so anybody else want to put it out there? What? Okay, there's a, there's a hand there. What? And we'll take... Is there a hand there? Praise the Lord. Okay, I will take that and we'll, we'll go on. Yes, please. My childhood dream was to be a nurse. Okay. Um, I was so good in biology then. Um, a little bit physics. Okay. Chemistry, I was good also. So what but, happened, man? But along the line, my father died. Oh. So early in oh. life. So that was how the dream just went off. Sorry about that. Now, um, the key thing is this. For, for, for all of us that have had different dreams, I just want I just, I just need to say this. No matter how wild we think it is, I don't think we should give up on those dreams. You know? Um, yeah, reality may be, we have corrected our curses. You know? Um, there, a, there was a woman that was 80-something, and she has always dreamt of being a graduate. And she went back to school and graduated at 84 or something, you know. It's never too late. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mine is not elaborate and all. Um, growing up, first of all, I wanted to be rich and famous. I believed I was going to be rich and famous. Rich and famous. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I just believed it. But I also believed I was going to be an actress. Wow. As well as a news, or rather, uh, not a broadcaster, but those who present shows, a TV presenter. And so, right. back then, I would sit in front of my dad's mirror that was very long. There was a table there, and I would sit there with touch lights, and I would, <laughs> <laughs> and I would just talk. Well, <laughs> well, you still have some of those in you, you know. <laughs> but for the actress bit, um, yeah. what the reality that hit was. When I realized how much time they go away from home, they are on set, right. they, don't, they are not able to nurture their families. Right. And so I kind of let, I've not fully let go, but. <laughs> you can join the drama team. <laughs> the book of Psalms, you know, we are diving straight into the study and discussion. The book of Psalms is separated into four categories. You have the book of wisdom. You have the book of Thanksgiving. You have the Royal Psalms. Then you have the, what is called the, the Psalms of Lamentation. And out of those four parts, the biggest part, interestingly, is the Psalms of Lamentation. Think about it. Lamentation is just a very nice word for what? For whining, for complaining. <laughs> For grumbling, that's just what it is, you know? And Psalm being the biggest book in the Bible, the most famous book in the Bible, to think that the biggest and most famous book in the Bible has four sections, and the biggest section in the biggest, most famous book in the Bible is about grumbling. So what does that tell us immediately? 
Like we were saying last week, God is not shocked that we grumble sometimes. He doesn't want us to stay there, but he wants us to be real enough to acknowledge that we have an issue. Praise the name of the Lord. And life is a series of, of ups and downs. And it is in the ups and the downs, really, that we grow spiritually. Don't seek for a life that is a straight line. Life is not a straight line. You're going to have mountaintops, valley lows. You're going to have ups. You're going to have downs. You're going to have moments of, of ecstasy. You're going to have moments of gloom. You know, as you stick with God and learn to follow God through those different seasons of your life, you begin to grow spiritually in ways you cannot even phantom. One of the most um, fake people you will ever meet are people that, you know, they put up a, a face that is never discouraged. They've, these people, they, they don't know what it is to cry. They are always, always, from birth, nothing discourages them. I don't even know any of such I don't know if people like any of such. Don't, don't raise up your hand. <laughs> and the point is this. It's the reality of life. There's one common denominator for all of us. We have to deal with discouragement. There are things that we want to work out in certain way that will not work out. We are, we are going to be discouraged. So how... Do we overcome it? Psalm 142. It's our text. And we're going to read the whole of Psalm 142. It's the Psalm of David. David wrote this himself. Not Asaph, like we read last week. It says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints. There you go. Before him. And tell him all my troubles. When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray. To you. Oh Lord, I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. Amen. You know, have you ever been to a place where you think nobody cares? Nobody even gives a damn. Nobody cares about me. I mean, this is, you know, David, I've, I've, I mean, I've, 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 as a pastor, I've had people say to me, Pastor, you don't care. 
I'm like, it's okay. Jesus cares. <laughs> but I, I really do care. But the point is this. You will go through that place. Just, it's just an emotion when you think nobody cares. That is when to turn to God. If you see what David did there, he turned to God. And when he turned to God, he got perspective. And even though he was still in his challenge, he could tell that this is going to happen. You are going to come through for me. You are going to deliver me from those that are stronger than me. Then the righteous are going to surround me. I will not be lonely because you have been good to me. Praise the name of the Lord. So when we look at discouragement, there are, there are two big ways. Discouragement damages. And there are two ways, if we understand these two ways, rather, we'll be able to kind of set our sail and adjust ourselves and triumph. The first way discourages, discouragement, sorry, damages or causes damage is that discouragement sidetracks us from really living. Discouragement sidetracks us from really living. Like we learned from last week, when we dealt with defeat, discouragement tries to take us out of life's path. Also, we want to throw a pity party. We want to, we want to just get a blanket, get a pillow, I mean, get um, 50 liters of Coke, you know, and just eat popcorn, watch a movie, and cry, and, you know. It's a trap. The second big way discouragement causes damage, apart from trying to, to sidetrack us, is that discouragement makes us more vulnerable to temptation. Discouragement makes us more vulnerable to temptation. When you are discouraged, it's when your emotional barriers are down, they are low, you are more likely to give in to temptation. Think of the times you gave in to temptation. Most likely, you were discouraged. Think of the times. Most likely, you were discouraged. You said, I'm going to lose this weight. And you walk out and sweat and sweat and sweat and sweat and sweat and sweat and sweat. And, sweat and, sweat. and the, the, the weight is looking at you in the mirror. I say, I ain't going nowhere yet. Then, that is when somebody brings a bucket of ice cream. Then what do you say? I can't kill myself. <laughs> then you take your spoon, just whack the thing. What, what is it, Seth? What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? <laughs> the point is that it is at a point of discouragement that we are most vulnerable to temptation. It's at the point of discouragement. You say that, oh, eh, masses, I want, to, I want to lose this pot belly. And, and you have been doing crunches. <laughs> Your back is almost gone. 
But the pot belly is just rolling and rolling and rolling. You know, and you know, it, it is, it is, it is, it is one a.m. You, sh- you know, you should not be eating a bar and you know a goosey soup at one a.m. You know, it kind of stays there. And you're like, but what brings the amateur? And we work it. You know, it's at the point of discouragement that we are most vulnerable to temptation. You're fasting. Then you have you you have bad news at work, or you have a challenge with your with your child. I'm like, what's the point? I'm going to eat. <laughs> oh, someone knows that very well. And 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 because you are discouraged, you give in to temptation, and and you, you are ready to just call anybody's bluff. I even want pastor to call me now. Let me show him I'm eating. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. You go for a reunion of your classmates. And you've been discouraged by your spouse. She won't listen to you. He won't listen to you. He won't spend time with you. And there's this secondary school classmate of yours that says, you are gorgeous. You're like, I might as well. You see, and, and that is the four-letter word that breaks down resistance. I might as well. Why am I doing all these things? I might as well. I might as well. Why am I fasting? The, peop- I mean, the people you are fasting for, I mean, sometimes, I mean, church people can be funny. They can be very funny. I mean, sometimes, as a pastor, I get to the point that the people you are fasting for, see what they are giving you, I might as well. Sometimes, you look at the sacrifices you are making, and it appears that the results are not commensurate. And that dangerous four-letter word comes up and says, you might as well do it. You might as well. So at the point of discouragement, we are vulnerable to temptation. You need to know that. We all need to know that. So, how many here would say that, Pastor, <clears throat> I need to admit, I am, I am discouraged far more than I would like to be discouraged. I remember we would say that I, have, I am actually discouraged far more than I would like to be discouraged. Anybody, let me see. So that if nobody's hand goes up, we are closing the service now. This teaching is not relevant <laughs> to you. Okay. I guess you are writing. <clears throat> You're putting, you're putting up your hand in your heart. <laughs> okay, hands are going up now. Praise the name of the Lord. Most of us are discouraged far more than we would like to be discouraged. We know discouragement is part of life, but you know, we, we just find out that we are, we are getting more discouraged far more than we would love to. Many things make us 
discouraged. But I want to ask you this question. What makes you easily discouraged? I want you to answer that question. What makes you discouraged? Write it down. Don't tell me. Don't tell your neighbor. What makes you discouraged? Is it work? Is it unanswered prayer? Is it school? Is it Premier League? Is it Champions League? Arsenal is always discouraging me. <laughs> Don't win a title. I'm sorry. Is it... <laughs> is it... What is it? Is it my spouse? My children? A lack of? Is it... So, there are two things I want us to learn to do with discouragement. I could easily have come up with three, four, five, six, seven, but two things, two main things that I want us to learn to do with discouragement. And if we learn to do these two things with discouragement, we can limit discouragement totally in our lives. We can, we can, we can over, overpower it. We can overcome it. We can ensure that because we have diffused discouragement, we are not in that place a lot of the time when we want to say, I might as well. Praise the name of the Lord. So, when I'm not in that place often, which means I am strong often, right? And when I'm strong often, which means I can fulfill my destiny easier, easily. So, it's so important that we get these two things. And the first one is this. I must learn from discouragement. I must learn. You must learn from discouragement. You see, one big thing about God's favorite house that I'm grateful for, you know, with God is, 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 is the heart of worship, which obviously leads to the manifest presence of God that is in God's favorite house. Praise the name of the Lord. The heart of worship. The choir will clap. Praise God. You know, another thing that I'm grateful for is, 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 the, is the heart to learn, the, the atmosphere for consistent learning. And we shouldn't take it for granted. You know, a lot of us, most people in God's favorite house are great learners. And that is a plus. You don't even know. But see, I can see, I can tell. We have to learn from discouragement. Why? If you don't learn from discouragement, it gets deeper. Then it gets darker. 
Then it comes more often and inevitably leads to defeat. If we don't learn to deal with, to, if we don't learn from, rather, discouragement, it gets deeper. Then it gets darker. Then it comes more often. And it leads to defeat. And you can, this in all areas of life, of course, I mean, I usually we use sport as an illustration. For instance, you know, you're playing a game of tennis and you serve out twice. You double faulted and you lose a point and you're discouraged. If you don't learn from it, what did I do wrong? How? I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't. I should adjust this. I should adjust that. And move on. What happens is that it gets deeper, it gets darker, you repeat it more often, and it leads to defeat. <laughs> it leads to defeat. That's how it is. In any spot. Once you get discouraged, if you don't learn from it, you are going to repeat it. If you don't learn from it, you are going to keep kicking yourself. And the more you kick yourself, the darker it becomes, the more repeated it becomes. You keep repeating the same thing, and obviously, I mean, it's going to be a disaster. So four questions that can help you learn from discouragement. Four questions that can help me, help us learn from discouragement. So, okay, take, again, sports like tennis. I mean, one of the things that I, I, I do all the other sports I play also, is that when I make a mistake, I'm not kicking myself. I'm, I'm rehearsing the right thing. This is the right thing. This is what I should be doing. This, that kind of infuses strength, you know, and I'm able to put away what the error is because, okay, this is what I did wrong. This is what I could have been doing. I practiced the motion again. Okay, yeah, so I'm, I'm just waiting for the next opportunity, and I do it right. Praise the Lord. We have to learn from discouragement. Four questions that will help us learn. Number one is this. When am I usually discouraged? Now, this is a powerful question because it's, it will reveal patterns in your life. Once you can see a pattern, once you can see the pattern, you can break it. You can break it. When am I Usually, discouraged. I want you to think about that. I can share mine with you. When I'm usually discouraged, I will share an event and I will share um, a sequence and I will challenge you to share yours if you are bold enough. For me, I discover that I am Usually discouraged when I let people down. I'm usually discouraged when I let people down. 
As a husband, I'm usually discouraged when I, when I let my wife down. She says to me, I need you to pick up bread from on your way home. And I say, okay, not a problem. Bread, easy peasy. Which one do you want? Is it the sliced one? Is it the whole one? The one with coconut or the one that's brown? The one that has not? She says, just pick normal sliced bread. I say, check, done. Then I drive into the house and I step and I open the door and she doesn't need to ask me. <laughs> I know that there is no bread anywhere. I've laid her down. I, I get discouraged. I don't want to let my wife down. So, not only, even as a, as a father, as a pastor, I don't want to show up unprepared. I don't want to show up. I've not prayed up. I'm not fired up. It will never happen by the grace of God. I, I don't want to let people down. And it, it can be a big burden for someone like me because when it happens, because it will happen time and again because I'm human, you know, I get really scared. So, so I, I noticed my, my pattern. For some people, they don't get discouraged when they let people down. In fact, it's second nature. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it, it's, not, it's not an issue with them. Or maybe it's not second nature, but, but maybe it's not as big as it is with me. For some of us, we need to ask ourselves, when am I usually discouraged? Believe it or not, I'm, I'm sometimes usually I will, I will use that word discouraged loosely here. When I wake up early. When I wake up early, I'm very cranky. I just feel very discouraged. I just feel low. What's going on? We first got married. We we had the opposite sleep patterns, you know, until recently. Or when we, you know, before, you know, it used to be very pronounced. Right now, it's kind of harmonized. You know, I sleep very late. She sleeps very early. Who sleeps at 8 p.m.? Excuse me. <laughs> Is that normal behavior? <laughs> what? <laughs> understand it. Obviously, I sleep much later. Then she's, 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 she's up by four or five. Who gets up at five? Excuse me. You are supposed to be changing gear. Then she, 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 she said that I, I didn't know. She said that one of those early days, she was trying to wake me up. Maybe to pray or something. Early morning like that. She said, I showed her a feast. <laughs> and from that day, she wakes me up from a distance. <laughs> when she's waking me up, you know. 
So since I know that I can work against that, so who wants to go? When are you usually discouraged? When are you usually discouraged? This is a question I can ask anybody here because we all have our own patterns. When are you usually discouraged? Oh, you're one of those that is never discouraged? Okay. <laughs> There's a hand there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, when, I, when I make up my mind that uh, maybe you make a vow to yourself that, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. Right. And then you find yourself doing it. Right. Up until about maybe, I'll say about almost a year now, I've always made up my mind that um, I was never going to get involved with any road rage anymore. I mean, I get really upset when I drive in Lagos. Right. <laughs> but, um, and every time I, it happened, I felt you know, really, really bad. But thank God, <laughs> almost a year now, I'm trying to get out of it. Amen. So, so, so maybe, I mean, letting yourself down. Is, yeah, because, you know, I've made up my mind, okay, I, I hope you, I hope there are people in the office who say, I'm not going to have a shot to match with this right. guy, irrespective. Then you find yourself doing that. They, like, they, they, they pull you your string and then you can't just hold it. So you have strings. <laughs> in the past. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I'm going to look for those strings. I'll pull them. <laughs> now, okay, there's another hand there. We'll take that, uh, that and we'll, we'll move on. Yeah, okay, maybe we'll take a lady, then... Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I usually get discouraged when, I'm, when I think of my future, how I'm going to fulfill it, and how should I get there when I've not yet begun anything yet. When you think about your future, that's the bit ahead. Okay, so we just take that. You get discouraged when you think about your future. The more you work with God... I mean, there was a part time in my life that I used to get discouraged. Long time ago, though. I mean, as in maybe university days, when I, used to, when I think about my future, I used to get discouraged. But right now, I'm pretty excited when I think about my future. Praise the name of the Lord. So I, the more you work with God, the more excited you become, really, when you think about your future. Um, yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, two things makes me really, really discouraged. One, when I'm running late for meetings, I get really, really discouraged. Okay. Then two, when I'm unable to meet up with my financial commitments, I've said this is the time I'm going to do this. Right. And if, I'm, if I fall short, I get really, really discouraged. Really discouraged. Okay. Then, awesome. So if you answer the question, you will find a pattern that will liberate you. So the second question is this. Why am I currently discouraged? Why am I currently discouraged? Write it down. Drill down. Drill down. So, so, so when, I, when I drill down on why do I get discouraged when I let my friend down? When you drill down on that, you discover, I discovered that the, the reason I get discouraged when I let someone down is because I didn't want to have a bad name. 
Oh, so having a good name is good. And you know why? Because when we were growing up, they drilled it into us that a good name is better than what? Silver and gold. A good name is better than silver and gold. So it was in my, it's in my fabric that the reason why I have that pattern is because I've walked away from different deals. Things that maybe I'll be a billionaire by now. But because I'll say this thing is going to give me a bad name, I walk away from it. So that helps me see that the reason why is actually because I don't want to have a bad name. Praise the Lord. So ask yourself, why? Why? The, the, your current discouragement can help you. You are currently discouraged about something. Why are you? Why is it a point of discouragement? Why? Sometimes, we, 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 it, it may be because, oh, we, we are not in the limelight. We want, we, we want showbiz. We want to take the glory. It could be you are used to oppressing everybody, but now you, you, are, you are not oppressing anybody. You feel very discouraged. <laughs> yeah. You know, drill down. Why? Why am I getting discouraged? The, the, the next question is, is when you found out why, because if you don't ask why, you live a shallow life. If you don't ask this, it's a difficult question to ask. If you don't ask it, you, you, you live a very shallow life. So after you've known why, You've known when, you've seen the pattern, you've known why, you've gotten to the reason. Then you need to ask yourself, what will God say to me now that I know why? What does God say to me about my being afraid? It is because of fear. So what does God say about fear? So I need to get the word of God, what it says about fear. That is how I can overpower that discouragement. What does the word of God say about my future? If it is my future that discourages me, I'm discouraged because of my future. What does the word of God say? What does God say to me about my future? He says that I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans of good, not of evil. To give me what? A hope and a future. Expected it. So, when I embrace that, I get over that discouragement. So the next question is, where do I need to change or what do I need to change? Discouragement actually reveals what we need to change. Sometimes you need to change your surroundings. Sometimes you need to lead limit your exposure to certain people. Sometimes there are certain people they are always bringing out the worst out of you. Limit your exposure to them. You love them, but you dodge them. Yeah, that sounds good. Love them, but dodge them. <laughs> you know, if you look at Jesus as a perfect example, Jesus loved everyone. Jesus ministered to everyone, but Jesus limited his exposure. He only hung out with a few people. 
And that can make all the difference. Many times we expose ourselves to people that discourage us. By the time you leave them, you are discouraged. Limit your exposure to them. And sometimes the change is internal. It's in our hearts. It has nothing to do with people. It has nothing to do with places. It has everything to do with your heart. It has everything to do with my And those are the difficult ones. We need, to do, we need to change. We need to be the change that we really seek. We need to change. And that is where we need to wrestle with God. So the first thing we need to do with discouragement is we need to learn from it. Learn from discouragement. The second thing we need to do with discouragement is we need to limit discouragement. I was in limit. That is being proactive. We need to limit discouragement. It's part of life. We may not be able to totally eradicate it, but we can overcome it. We may not be able to erase it, but we can limit it. We may not be able to get rid of it, but we can triumph over it. Limit it. And I'm going to give you a few things that can really help you. I mean, these things are what I operate in my life. And sometimes, you know, I've heard people say to me, are you, are you even really ever discouraged? You're always looking like, you know, yes, I get discouraged, but these are the things that I do from the Word of God. The first thing to do to limit discouragement, and these things are the proactive part of limiting discouragement. The first thing is this. It may sound like an oxymoron, but it's so powerful. And that is schedule relaxation. Schedule leisure. Schedule leisure. Like I said, it may sound like an oxymoron. How can you schedule leisure? For some people, they are like, oh, if it's leisure, it must be spontaneous. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. If I enjoy it, it must be spontaneous. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. It doesn't have to be. So you mean I can schedule something I enjoy? Of course. And you do it every day. When you're not fasting, you schedule food. And some people, I have seen you eat. You enjoy food. You enjoy it. We have couples struggling with intimacy. I said, we said, tell them, schedule it. I go, Pastor, then it becomes monotonous. I'm like, the problem is not the, what is going on. The problem is because in your mind, you have associated scheduling with boring. But you schedule things that you enjoy every day. So schedule your leisure. Schedule your relaxation. God wired leisure into creation. If you look at Genesis 2, 1 to 3, Genesis 2, 1 to 3, it says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, having finished his task, God did what? 
God rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. So God was modeling something for us here. Not that you really needed to rest, but he was showing us that you have to rest. You have to schedule you rest. You're like, oh, Pastor, I'm so busy. I don't have time to rest. We've said it before severally. If you don't rest, you will be rested. That's how it is. You have to plan the time to rest. You know, I want to use the illustration of, of the, the payment of uh, telephone tariffs. You know, when the mobile phones just came out. You have, you have the pay-as-you-go and you have the postpaid, right? <clears throat> so, um, right now, have you noticed what has happened? The billing plans have mostly converged. Even the so-called postpaid are actually prepaid plans. Disguised in, in postpaid. So, so, what does that tell you? What, what, what does that tell us? That tells us that it's better to, to play as you go. Play as you go, rather than spend the whole money, then you are struggling to pay at the end of the month, then you, you spend the whole money, then you are struggling to pay. <laughs> so, how does that apply to work? Some of us, we, we say that, when I have worked, then I will gather all the money, then I will go for vacation in Bahamas. God says no. Play as you go. So, God does not expect a week to pass without you going on a vacation. It's in the Bible. We just read it. God does not expect a week to go without you resting and playing deliberately. You discover that when you do not play, you become drained. And when you are drained, you are more vulnerable to discouragement. You are easily discouraged when you are drained. The slightest things discourage you when you are drained. They call it burning out. The slightest things discourage you when you are drained. You surprise yourself when you are drained. When you are drained, you use that word, I might as well. I might as well. And you get yourself into trouble. So to limit discouragement, schedule your leisure. Let, let me pause here. Let me just, I, just, I just don't want to run through this list. You know? Do we really have problems scheduling our leisure? I mean, does anybody have a problem scheduling their leisure? Yes. Okay. How? Can you share with us? What's, what's the challenge? Before the mic gets to you, your you wife, your mother, you are a worker, so 
Just add to that. I've said three already. Add something else. There's just too much to do <laughs> and little time to do it. So I'm up by 4.30 and I sometimes don't go to bed until 11, 12. And there's work all the time. Weekdays, weekends, everything is packed. Um, I think um, you, you may need to... Were you here when, we talked, when I talked about deflecting daily, withdrawing weekly, abandoning annually? Okay. So I, I can't remember the message, but I'm sure they can find it for you. You know, at least because if I, if, I dive, if I dive into it, it's going to be a lot. So we, we, we need to learn how to. I, look, I used to be a workaholic. I am a recovered workaholic. I know some of you don't believe, some of you still believe I'm a workaholic. <laughs> My colleagues probably still believe I'm a workaholic. But um, I used to be a work junkie. So bad that I'll be sitting in the living room. My wife will be sitting there. She's trying to get my attention. She can't get it. I'm working. But because I'm wired, she sent me um, an instant message. You know, like those days used to be Yahoo Messenger. And the thing would pop up. And I would reply her. Then but I'll continue working. She would send me. So we're now talking with instant message. And we're less than five meters away from each other. And it just dawned on me. I said, wait, something is wrong with this equation. <laughs> I closed my laptop. I said, oh, do you know, talk to me. You know? And, you know, that was, like, my steps to recovery. You have to be brutal. If you are not brutal, you, 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 won't, you won't achieve it. And by being brutal, I mean being brutal. Because, hmm, you don't want to be rested. You know, God will help you in Jesus' name. So to limit discouragement, I must schedule leisure deliberately. I must practice encouragement. Practice encouragement. You see, there's something unique about the person who is an encourager. Think about your, your units, your department, your group. Every group has an encourager. Naturally, that's how God sets it up. And in fact, God wants everybody to be an encourager, but there's usually somebody that is, goes about encouraging people. How is that person? Everybody wants to be around that person. Have you noticed? If you are not an encourager, nobody wants to be around you. Have you noticed? Yes, you have noticed. Be honest. But beginning from today, you will be an encourager. Say amen. Proverbs 11.25 says to us that those who refresh others will themselves be what? Be refreshed. People that are encouragers, they never lack encouragement. They never lack encouragement. And we all can do with some encouragement. We all can do with some encouragement. Something interesting, very, very interesting happened to me today. You know? I got, um, I checked my account 
and I saw this large sum of money that somebody has transferred into my account. You know, I first sat down very well, <laughs> and I just had a good laugh. And so it was like it was like I was drinking cold water. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't look at me like that. Like it's not carnality; it's encouragement. But that's not where I'm going. So I called this person that I thought sent it because the name of the company sounded, sounded like the name of her company. So I, I gave her a call and I said, no, no, I sent her a text. I said, you sent me money. And she said, no, I didn't send you money. How much is it? I said, no, I won't tell you. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> so while I was talking to her, I remembered that I borrowed a friend of mine that amount of money and his company, they're in the same field. So it was, he was the one that was repaying me. Like, oh. So she, she, she now tells me her story. She says that she has been trying, that the reason she's asking is because it's happened to her recently that she's, she, she's tried to send money to somebody and she's ended up sending it to the wrong person. She said, Pastor, you won't believe what happened. I said, what? I said, this person that received the money, she called her that she was so grateful. She thanked her so much. She couldn't collect the money. <laughs> she said, the prayer she was saying for her. You know, you know the prayers that come from... Uh, that, that you saved me from shame. Your generation. You know? And she prayed and prayed and blessed her and she was so happy and dancing on the phone and, and, and when the call ended, <laughs> she was like, I can't tell this woman to repay this money. But you know, she said, she says, you know what, Pastor? After that conversation, even though it was a lot of money to me, I thank God that at least I have money in my account. And our prayers and encouragement actually encouraged me. So can you see what's going on there? Everybody needs encouragement. Even though I was the only one that wasn't correct. <laughs> I'm joking, I was by our story. <laughs> I'm talking about money wise. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> everybody, everybody, everybody needs some encouragement. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians 4, 29 says, Let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. How many things you say should be good and helpful? Everything. Everything. And I want to challenge you. Start with the people closest to you. Start with your spouse, with your husband, with your wife. If you can't encourage your spouse, you can't encourage your husband, you are encouraging another man outside. Something is wrong, go. Something is very wrong. 
you are a super encourager of other ladies outside, but you cannot encourage your wife. Ah, Oga. You know, Yoruba says that it is from the house that you take your treasures out. Mm. So, start by encouraging the people around you. That's the first challenge I want, to, I want to give to you. And the second challenge I want to give to you is that make sure no day passes without you encouraging somebody. Make it a habit. Today, make sure you don't go to bed until you encourage somebody. I know for some of us, that's a very difficult task. I'll help you. Start with the obvious just say to them, you look good today. Okay, that's not so obvious. <laughs> Just say, I like your, your black shirt. Just say it. Well, Pastor, what if I don't like it? Like it. <laughs> that's the whole point. <laughs> Just like it. You know you can choose to like something. Just like it. Just encourage somebody. How many people are going to do that? Let me see your hands. I'm going to do that. Every day, every day, every day. I'm going to encourage somebody. Good. God will help you. Just tell them, I like, I like your, your haircut. Or your, your lack of haircut. Just encourage them. You know? But make sure that you are encouraging more than one person. Different people. Don't be encouraging only one person. Same person. Same person you encourage. Same person. <laughs> if, <you say laughs> if it's somebody else's wife, you encourage, you encourage, you encourage. Oh, God, calm down. Go and look for somebody else to encourage. <laughs> Go and look for somebody else. Why? Because you will notice if you are truthful yourself, when somebody encourages you, it is a natural response to hope that they will find something else that they will encourage you about. Right? And you don't want to start what you don't intend to finish. Praise the Lord. So, be generous with your encouragement. Praise the name of the Lord. People gravitate towards where they are encouraged. That's, how, that's just how it works. Number, the third one. The first one is schedule leisure. Second one is practice encouragement. The third one is learn to bask in encouragement. Learn to what? Bask in encouragement. A lot of us need to improve in this area. We need to learn to bask in encouragement. When you get encouraged, hang on to that encouragement. Stop deflecting. There are a lot of people that are struggling in this area and I needed to say to them severally, stop deflecting. I talked about it on Sunday. They said, your colleagues, you did a good job. They said, oh, you did a good job. Ah, it's God, though. Yes, it's God. Yes, it's God. I know it's God. Just say, thank, thank you. I give the glory to God. But, you know, don't, just receive it. In Jesus' name. 
is so important because if you don't receive encouragement, you will tend to receive discouragement. And discouragement is not good for you. It takes you down a, a, a very dangerous path. So, if you must receive one, please receive what? Receive encouragement. When you get a note, keep it. Keep the notes. When people send me encouragement emails, I keep it. There's, some, there's somebody that has sent me a note of encouragement since 2007. I kept it. I have a folder in my mail. Encouragement. Some of them, I clap for God, you know, some of them, they are one-star encouragement. Some of them are three-star encouragement. Some of them are five-star encouragement in that category. So this lady has, has done a five-star encouragement. So one day she really annoyed me. I wanted to break her neck. Guess what I remembered? The five-star encouragement. I said, God saved you today. <laughs> you can go. But the point is this. For yourself, keep the notes. My wife sends me a note. She says to me, Femi, you're a good man. I keep it. She sent me a note recently. She said, told me I'm a good man. I kept it. Then the following day, she wants to be angry with me. I said to myself, I'm a good man. <laughs> you can't be angry with me. I am a good man. I want to read that note again. Uh, what did you say again? You are a good man. You see, if we... If we don't keep the encouragement, we will keep the discouragement. Earlier this year, Craig Groeschel, many of us know Craig Groeschel, the pastor's the biggest church in the U.S. by any stretch. Over 70,000 people. It's kind of one of my, um, the guys I bounce things off, like my mentors and all that. I mean, and it's, it's just, you know, kind of taking interest in me for some reason. So he sent me a note early this year, handwritten notes with his own hands. On my study table in the house, I had my computer, I have speakers, I have my books, I have a shelf, mini shelf, I have the big shelves down the corridor. His notes is always in front of me. Every single day, I sit down on that desk to study, to pray, to meditate. I said I'll, I'll put it up on the screen. Let me show you what it says. Oh, it says, Pastor Fermi, your generosity is overwhelming. I said, eh, is that so? Amy, no. Laugh now, you're supposed to laugh. Oh, you're trying to read it. <laughs> Don't mind his handwriting. <laughs> says, thank you for blessing my family again. I pray you are reaching many people as you lead your church. May God continue to bless you and your church in every way. Love, Craig. Now, there are times, there have been times this year that I felt pretty discouraged and without knowing it I just sat down on my 
study table, and I rested my hands on my head, and I lifted up my eyes, and guess what I saw? The notes. And guess what happened? I was encouraged. Now, if I trashed that note, that's just one of the many notes I've received from good guys. If I, if I trashed that note, I received it then. I heard it. And if I trashed it, I wouldn't have it. To encourage myself again. Praise the name of the Lord. So, there are many of you, I've given you cards that you have put in those bins. You think I didn't know? I sent you cards that I write with my hand. I gave you. I sent them to give you. You throw them away. You repent today. Uh, <laughs> praise the name of the Lord. So it's, it's, it's big. Really is. Big. Keep it. Now, I'm not saying we should, we should be fishing for, for comp- compliments. You know, I'm not saying that you should be fishing for compliments. Somebody tells you something that is, is good about you. you know, say something about your hair that you're looking good. You say to the person, can you send it in an email? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Praise the name of God. <laughs> can you send me a text? Can you send me a text? I copy my husband or my wife. Let them see it so that they know that. Uh... No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Say to your neighbor, don't do that. Don't do that. Evidence. <laughs> you know, it's a natural, it's a natural propensity. When I was a child, you know, I can remember this so clearly. That's why, as parents, you have to be careful or not overestimate the encouraging words you speak to your children. I was just learning to write. Imagine how young I would have been. So, what I was doing then was that maybe I'll think of something, whatever. I will write it. I will take it. I remember as I speak clearly, my mom and my, and my auntie were in the kitchen. I will go to my mom. I will show her. She will look at it and she will praise me. Then I will go back to the room and I kept doing it. I think I did it twice. And I ran out of something to say, to write. You know, I, I wasn't that creative. You know, I didn't have anything else to write. But I needed this encouragement. So, you know what I did? I went to look for a book. And I opened the book. I was now copying. What was in the book? <sighs> this must have been so embarrassing for me as a little boy. But my mom was very gracious. So, I saw a letter that I've never seen before. I said, which letter is this one? <laughs> I, I didn't know letter. But I said, I'll copy it. So I copied this letter G. You know, you know how letter G looks when it's typed? I copied it like that. And I went to show her as my original work. And, I, and the smile on her face did not change. And she encouraged me. And she patted me and she hailed me. But did you know that when I grew older, I was still playing back that scene. I was like, Femi, you are so stupid. <laughs> Look at what you did. She did 
tell me. I don't think she can even remember that incident. But I remember. Many times, we want to fish for comments, for compliments. We make a fool of ourselves. Why don't you just give and sow it and see how God will bring your, your harvest? You are clapping, clap. I need that encouragement. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> that's also helped me transition. Okay, so we, we need to, number one, schedule our leisure. Number two, practice what? Number three, learn to bask in encouragement. Number four, pray for the source of your discouragement. Pray for the source of your discouragement. I actually enjoy doing this. You know, I pray to God that God heal, you know, because hurting people hurts people. I, I, say, I say, God, heal the hurt of this person that is making them behave like an idiot. Pastor, do you really pray that? Well, as a comic relief. <laughs> Sometimes I do. I say, God, this person is behaving like an idiot. Just, just heal their pain so that they can go. When I pray for others, it changes me. When I pray for the source of my discouragement, it changes me. It, it, it changes my heart. Matthew 5, 44 to 45, classic example. So, the first thing is this. I, I, I schedule leisure. The second thing is what? I practice encouragement. The third thing is what? I learn to bask in encouragement. Number Four, I pray for the source of my discouragement. And finally, number five, I change from internal to eternal. This is where I usually like to, to, wrap, to wrap things up. By pointing us to the big picture. I change from internal to eternal. I go from it's all about me. To, it's all about God. When I'm discouraged, mostly I'm thinking it's about me. That's why I'm discouraged. But when I understand that it's about God, I am not discouraged. If you check, the, many times you are discouraged because you think it's about us. I said to my colleagues, before you come to work, stand in front of the mirror. And say to yourself, it's not about me. Say it ten times. And you can come to work. It's about Jesus. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's not about you. Tell yourself that. And come to work. You'll be fine. You won't be discouraged. Because when challenges come your way, when people talk to you anyhow, when people behave obnoxiously, you know it's not about you. It's about who? It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And because it's about Jesus, you see, it really doesn't matter because it's going to work out for your good at the end of the day. Because it's about Jesus, it really doesn't matter what you face and what you go through, it's going to work for your good. I'm going to ask them to put up a picture. Now, those of us that know and follow 
soccer. There are two faces on the screen. The guy in blue is woo, is woo. Even the girls know Drogba. DDA Drogba. I just say his full name. Just say Drogba. <laughs> okay, cool. <clears throat> and the guy in yellow? Is it orange? In, okay, the other guy is woo. Is woo, woo, who's the other guy? Who, who knows? Who can tell me? Who can tell me who the other guy is? <laughs> he says what? A man. <laughs> I'm taking the picture, doing facial recognition, send it to Google. Don't worry, I'll tell you. His name is Jamal Blackman. So what's the point? What's the point? The point is this. They were both UEFA champion league champions. Both of them. They both got the gold medal. Both of them. They were both on that team in 2012 that won Bayern, right? In the penalty shootout. Both of them, both of them, one sat on the bench from the beginning of the, of the league to the end. His hand did not touch the ball. He was only catching ball in training. And one scored the decider goal that buried Bayern in Munich. And at the end of the day, they both got the gold medal. What's, what's the point here? Pastor, what are you trying to say? <laughs> what I'm trying to say is simple. If you are a child of God, you're on the winning team. It doesn't matter, and this is so real, it doesn't matter how discouraged you are. This Jamal guy, the story, the story is that they were always abusing him. They were, you don't make the first team. We don't see you on TV. You say you're in Chelsea, but nobody sees you anywhere. But when he got to me, he showed them there is his gold medal. <laughs> the point is this, again. The team we are on has won already. We are champions already. We are more than conquerors. So, so it doesn't matter how discouraged you are. Keep your eyes on the big picture. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And you see, when you look at the big picture, <laughs> discouragement will be far from you. The final game has been won. Your name is already in the book of life. It's already there. When you're looking at history books of those that are players that have won Champion League in their lives, Jamal is there. I'm not sure if Brian has won Champions League. Has he? He hasn't. So he has a Champions League gold medal. Slatan doesn't have. Uh -uh. Is that fair? It really doesn't matter. It's on the team you are on. The team you are on determines a whole lot of things. 
A whole lot of things. A whole lot of things. So, when we realize that we are on the Jesus team, if we live our lives in light of this, we actually become unstoppable. We really actually become unstoppable. So when I stop to think about eternity, and that I'm a child of God, the maker of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and something is trying to put me down, and trying to tell me I'm useless, I just smile. Because I know who my dad is. So I don't know where you have been discouraged. Look at the big picture. Nobody may know your name, but you are going to get the gold medal. Nobody may even know your face, but your name is going to go down in history. That's the beauty of our work with God. Do we have any questions? Do you have any questions? Those two scriptures, you can take them home as your take-home tablets. <laughs> Do you have any questions? Okay, there's a hand there. Anybody else? So we can manage our time. Do you have any questions? Anybody else? Okay, yes, let's have that. Then we go. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, fantastic teaching, Pastor. For, it's really encouraging for individual. If you are individually discouraged about things that probably concerns you as a person, right. this totally solve it. Amen. But my biggest challenge in recent time is I've been extremely discouraged about the state of my nation. Right. And continuously so. And also, as you and I have discussed in private, about a set of people that it seems we have proven that we can't lead ourselves. Mm. And that continuously makes me feel... Mm extremely discouraged on a daily basis. How do, how do I apply this to that? Okay, that's a very good question. Um, and it's not a trick question. <laughs> this time, I'm joking. Now, you see, the way it works is this. The way nation building happens is this. God must raise deliverers and those deliverers delivers the nation. That's, that's how it works. So, if individuals, we are discouraged, we cannot deliver and encourage a whole nation. So, maybe this is the first step for us to overcome discouragement by ourselves. It's going to be, it's not going to be, um, a walk in the park, really. But the truth is this. The first step to, to national, if you check history, scriptures, God always raises a deliverer, a group of deliverers that put their life on the line and make it different for eternity. I mean, look at the one of the victories just, God just gave us as a church which I may not be able to talk about the details, but as a leader, you, you, you remember that victory, you know? 
the truth is that if we did not step out and put ourselves on the line, we're not going to get a victory. So we have deliverers that are sitting tight. And God wants us to step out, but we are afraid to step out. We are like the 7,000 others that have not bowed to Baal. But God just did an Elijah, somebody that will step out. And, and, you know, who says the person cannot be from here? And, and who says that the movement cannot start from here? It's very possible. So I hope that helps. Good. It's a burden for all of us. Since there are no other questions, the commitment section, I hereby commit to the following next steps. Write the things you are committed, you are committing to yourself. I want, I want us to articulate these things ourselves. That's why I keep leaving it blank. For some of us, you have to be brutal with your time. And I commit to be brutal enough to create rest time. Even if my children are, it's as if they want to kill themselves, I will still sleep. Even if my husband is saying his hunger is killing him. No, don't do that. <laughs> Make provision. <laughs> but my point is this. You have to be brutal with your time. What is it going to be? I can go on and on and on. What have you heard? What is it going to be? If you finish writing, let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. And let's just talk to God. Let's talk to God. Let's talk to God. If you are not a child of God, no matter how good you are, you can be slattern. If you are not on the right team, you are not winning the medal. If you are not a child of God, you are not born again. You are saying, Pastor, I used to be born again. I'm backsliding. Can you pray with me? I want to come back to the winning team. I want to come back to God's side. Could you put up your hand and I'll pray with you wherever you are seated. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. If I put up your hand, put up your hand well. Thank God for the children that are putting up their hands. They are always putting up their hands. They are very encouraging. If you are online, distractions are scrolling on what to do. The rest of us, let's talk to God. Let's talk to Him. How? What? Why? Where? Let's ask those questions and ask for help. Father, we thank you. Oh, what a mighty God you are. I give you praise and glory, my Father. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, the grace for us, Lord, to learn from discouragement. The grace to limit discouragement given to us. The grace to remain and fired up in our lives. 
and our destinies given to us, Lord. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh,